Hello and welcome to our Merkle B2B podcast, Demand Generation Connected, your blueprint for building best-in-class demand generation experiences. In the last podcast, we covered uh, where all good marketing programs should start, market research, focusing in on some of our own proprietary research at Merkle B2B, B2B Superpowers. And today, I'm joined by two fantastic guests, and we're going to spend the next 30-odd minutes talking all about how we best set ourselves up for full marketing-to-sales success by building connected experiences which cover all parts of the marketing ecosystem. First of all, I have with me uh, Tim Lamble, uh, Head of Programmatic Data Analyt- Analytics excuse me, at Merkle B2B, whose team are responsible for building connections across the whole digital marketing ecosystem. Hi, Tim. Hi, guys. Uh, and also Caitlin Olmsted, uh, Senior Director of uh, Customer Strategy at Merkle, whose teams partner with clients on customer experience transformation, identifying solutions to help them deliver best-in-class experiences across the end-to-end journey. Hi, Caitlin. Hello. Um, Fantastic. I'm going to start with you, Caitlin, actually. Would you mind giving uh, all the listeners uh, a bit of an introduction to yourself, uh, your role within Merkle, excuse me, and some of the exciting work that you're currently working on? Sure. Thanks, Henry. Uh, so I am part of Merkle's CX transformation practice, and that is part of Merkle's strategy offering. We have strategic consulting group that um, sits within the organization, and we bring together experts in marketing strategy, people, process, and technology. Uh, my role specifically is to help client guide clients through transformation. Um, it can often be a long and, and large process, and so uh, my role is to come in and help them figure out where to start. Um, oftentimes when we meet clients, they know they want to make improvements or um, they just don't know how. And so uh, we usually start by some kind of assessment or trying to understand their gaps. Uh, where are they missing the mark relative to their competitors and relative to uh, the, the sort of gold standard that, that we set with our frameworks? Um, and then the second part of that is helping them develop their future state vision, um, both to communicate to the organization, but also to anchor any changes or improvements that they ultimately make around the customer. Uh, oftentimes it's easy to get focused on our business outcomes. And so that's really what we're trying to bring is that customer centricity. And then of course, you know, a vision is nothing without action. And so a big part of our practice is helping to identify pilots, set them up so that uh, we can fail fast and ultimately scale these improvements to the, the wider organization. So uh, I work a lot with our high-tech B2B clients, um, mm-hmm. and for me, it's very exciting. I think the complexity of the product offering and the way that customers buy present a very interesting marketing challenge. Um, we're talking a lot about customer journey today and, and the experience that we're going to deliver for customers, but oftentimes there's a lot of behind-the-scenes um, organizational challenges that come with delivering that. High-tech clients in particular are very agile in their approaches, and that can often mean conflicting experiences out in the market. So a lot of our, our, our challenge and our job here at Merkle with our clients is to help them figure out how they maintain that agility, but still have that coordinated and connected experience, both you know delivering internally with their teams, but also um, the final package that customers ultimately see. Brilliant. And, and when you, um, with, with the high-tech and B2B clients that you're mentioning, when, you, when you're talking about exciting uh, customer experience and in the best of, best of class situations, of course, where everything's working um, together, what are the types of things that are exciting you most at the moment? Yeah, I, I suspect today's conversation is going to have a big theme around the consumerization of the B2B experience. Um, as we see millennials 
being the predominant generation, um, being more digitally native, they're used to having these very easy and um, streamlined experiences when they're buying from consumer brands. And whether it's right or not, they're bringing that expectation to their 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 business uh, life as well. So uh, I think that is both exciting, but it does present a lot of challenges because buying a, a business solution is not like checking out your Amazon cart. So uh, we, we deal with those challenges every single day. That's fair enough. Fair enough. I think it's fair to say sometimes B2B experiences would probably learn from Amazon though at the same time. Potentially there is, there is ways to make it a little bit easier at times as well, but I completely hear you. Okay, so if, if we're starting to dive into the topics of the podcast today, it'll be great to hear your point of view in regards to both the importance as well as the opportunity that, that exists currently with all of the developments that we've, we've, we've seen in recent years. Of, of, of building these automated and, and connected experiences specifically within a kind of demand generation space, hence the, the theme of, uh, of this podcast. Sure. I mean, no marketer listening to this is a stranger to marketing automation. It's all part of our stack. Uh, and like I said, the, the challenge really is, is how do you leverage automation to get better and improve? Um, you mentioned the superpowers research. I think that's a fantastic study and it surveys over 3,600 buyers. Uh, and what we found is that the experiences that we're creating as B2B marketers are, are missing the mark. Um, and so I think automation, oftentimes we think about the N10 program. How are we going to set it up? What's the creative? What are our touch point strategies? Um, but, but an aspect that I would maybe draw marketers attention to just knowing that um, we're doing all this work. We've been doing it for over a decade in these tools, um, and it is very difficult to track people across the, the cycle. But we're also seeing, and this is, I think, new in the last few years, is that not only are expectations changing, buyers want to feel like you're you're acting like a consumer brand in many ways, um, but their, their expectations are changing very rapidly. And for me, when I think about automation, what it unlocks is the ability to do more rapid test and learn and to make updates more quickly. Um, this idea of set it and forget it, let's come back in a year and check on things and see how they're doing. Uh, I just, it just doesn't work when, when, when things are changing, you know, month by month in some very rapid quarters. Um, so, so I feel like a key to winning and a key to winning with automation is embracing a test and learn approach. And at Merkle, we talk a lot about learning agendas. So it's not just your test matrix. What are the variables that I want to test? It's also having a strategy about what you want to learn. And it could be learning more about a specific aspect of the customer journey. It could be learning more about a cohort of customers who you've never marketed to before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the possibilities truly are endless. But I think starting with that strategic view, and typically we structure these quarter by quarter. So we think about the year what is the arc of the year from our marketing strategy perspective? What are those key learnings that we have to unlock in order to be successful with that marketing strategy? And then ultimately, I think that comes back to um, your automation tools, actually being able to run those things, see the results, ensure that you're getting um, accurate readout on that data, and then and then taking those that data and, and insights to make new decisions and improvements, again, sometimes month to month, but but certainly quarter over quarter. Brilliant. Tim, I'm actually quite keen to hear your your point of view of what Caitlin was just, just said there. Obviously, a lot of what she was talking about was kind of from an ideal state situation of how we want our, the brands that we operate to be in. And the type of areas that you touch on with the teams that you manage are much more kind of at the boots of the ground, the activation um, level. So do you have a, a point of view in regards to what Caitlin was chatting through there? Yeah, I mean, I think 
I mean, obviously, Caitlin clearly has a lot of experience in this area and, and everything she says is is absolutely uh, 100% where we're aiming for, for all of our clients. I think the challenge that also Caitlin raised is that there's so much complexity in what all of our clients are doing. And, and we'll come on to this a little bit later in uh, maybe in the podcast, but there's complexity in B2B that isn't there in B2C. And so I think the main thing that we're really working with with our clients on an activation level is uh, trying to maintain the level of complexity of a b2b buying journey whilst also delivering all of these exciting uh, connected experiences which is a massive extrapolation of what you would expect in a b2c journey which might be i want shoes i saw shoes i bought shoes you know that's that's not the same for a, a billion dollar deal right so i think that's mm-hmm. what we're dealing with that um both is the big challenge for our clients but it's also the most exciting part of my job i think okay brilliant staying staying with you tim I think there is, there is often a perception that pay, so when we're talking about paid media, so so um, the kind of department that we we sit the most in, there is often a perception that paid media's primary role and often only role is around the acquisition um, of, mm-hmm. of customers, and within the B two B world, that's often their data opting in, um, data collection, mm-hmm. lead generation, whatever you want to call it, and after that point of collection, paid media drops out, and it's the role of internal channels, sales teams, in order to push on that engagement. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that statement? Uh, absolutely not, no. Um, and but I, to elaborate on that, um, I think you know the. I mean, we're we're in obviously in a, a challenging economic climate, and and certainly there is a tendency in the B two B space to move towards that acquisition level um, activation for all of our customers as sales teams really focus on the pointy end of their business and converting customers. And so, you know, a lot of the work we do for our B two B customers is is focused on that acquisition stage and rightly so however i think you know if you're looking at the an e-com focused business with even short time to market from a b2b perspective or a sales team driven organization with an 18 month um uh, conversion uh, timeline both of those require media all the way across the funnel right and and we touched on it already that's partly down to the complex sales journey you know as i said it's not buying a pair of shoes it's buying the future of your business or or some transformational technology to your business and that means that there's a very very large decision making unit to influence that you know if you're talking about at, at the point of acquisition is usually an individual downloading a white paper attending a webinar maybe even picking up the phone that person is very 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 um often not the only decision maker even in a small purchase within a b2b organization so influencing that wider uh, decision-making unit, um, ensuring that um, throughout that kind of procurement process, we're top of mind. And even like before that acquisition piece, making it onto the shortlist, we know from superpowers, which Caitlin already touched on as a significant part of our research base and understanding of our customers, that um, uh, the decision-making set of your customers, of our customers is reducing year on year. It's it's gone down by about 30% this year in terms of how many supplies you can get onto that shortlist. So if you're not on that already, you've, you've, that acquisition piece is, is quite frankly, um, significantly hurt. So I think that stage of media, that full funnel approach is really important. But you know, coming back to e-com, that lifetime value of a customer, what about customer loyalty? How are you landing and expanding with that organization? So it's, it's, it really never stops with acquisition. In fact, for a lot of our clients, that's where it should start. And there's this whole ecosystem of media off the back of that. Brilliant. That wasn't a loaded question by me at all. <laughs> um, but a, a lot of a lot of what you're saying, um, uh, large large buying units um, driving 
lifetime value. Those types of things all, all touch bring bring me in, into thinking about the, the importance of account based marketing. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, because it, that's very much a, a strategy which is focused around you going into an individual company and account and having a, a focused strategy which reaches that account from a kind of three hundred and sixty point of view. Um, as an organisation, I know as, as you know because you're actively working on these as well. We are actively talking to and working with a lot of our clients around what we are calling account based experiences, which is all around this idea of building connected experiences for specific um, target accounts. So from your point of view, with everything that you, you, you focus on and what you're doing at the moment, what would you say is the role of the likes of automation um, and connection um, in driving different marketing to sales elements within something like account-based experiences? Yeah, I, it's, it's a really big question for us at the moment. And account-based marketing has been table stakes for B2B since forever, right? I mean, that's mm. that's critical. And if, if our customers don't have an ABM strategy in place, you know, we really, um, really need to be looking and taking a hard look at that. And I think coming back to what Caitlin said earlier, connected experiences are table stakes for B2C. And actually, that's what we're seeing moving into the B2B space, which is why we're now moving from account-based marketing to account-based experiences. And what I mean by that, those experiences is making sure that we're connected both in our understanding of the customer, the fact that we can reach them in multiple channels um, with a consistent communication effort but also just uh, you know in my last uh, response to your question talking about that long tail so what do they see after they see an ad what do they see on site who do they hear from on sales what is that journey and and automation has to play a role there because nobody's abm list um is three companies it's a hundred companies it's a thousand companies and you know businesses do not want to sit there and throw millions of pounds at an agency like us to have hundreds of people sitting there doing all those pieces. And so automation is obviously a sensible and fiscally responsible thing to do, but it also helps us with time to market and to Caitlin's point, reactivity in, in what we're doing. So um, that kind of automated experience we're trying to deliver across activation channels like programmatic and social and, and landing page experiences has to be automated. And I think the problem we have is complexity for sure. Uh, it's also um data availability with GDPR, um, uh, for example, in in Europe. So automation for us at the moment is at the heart of uh, understanding the intent of our audiences. So we work with data partners to bring in an understanding of which particular topics around a certain sales journey that we're looking at. Each of those organizations are currently most interested in connecting that to an automated ad serving and content delivery program uh, technology uh, and technology partner that allows us to link that intent to clear, understandable um, content in media, and then using another automation process and technology on their landing page environment to make sure that that journey is brought all the way through. So what was traditionally an account-based marketing approach where we would simply push whatever we thought was important to us onto that customer, we're switching that around and automating that process to ensure that that entire connected experience across their media journey and across their site journey is automated to what they care about as an organization in that very moment, whether that's on a week by week basis or throughout that entire sales journey. Um, Where we're now moving to as well is generating um, insights around that that help our sales teams for our clients close those deals with those insights. So what journeys did they react best to? Uh, What was their on-site experience like? How can we use that intelligence to uh, accelerate the sales pipeline? And we're seeing that's where we're seeing real success. 
Fantastic. Um, I'm going to come back to you, Kate, then actually to get get your point of view and everything that Tim was saying there, because this move from, as Tim was saying, from from ABM to to, to ABX, as we're calling it, or, or experiences, is bringing it more and more out of paid media, for example, and more so into technology, into uh, sales teams, into content, basically into the whole um, ecosystem. What's your point of view of everything that Tim's saying? There? Do, do you also see the value of, of doing something like ABX? Absolutely. Um, and I think the question is not if it's, it's just how and what that looks mm-hmm. like for your business, for your target market, what are the the types of, of accounts? And I think that will um, dial in the, the level of ABM, you know, whether you're doing something more programmatic, like what Tim is describing, or um, something that is very sales led that uh, marketing is that insights um, driver. And um, I think one thing that I would would just continue to hammer on that Tim has talked about several times is uh, just the cons- the customer perspective and what it is that they are trying to do. Uh, that was a key theme out of out of the study that we did with with B two B buyers. And um, even though it sounds so obvious, uh, it's actually really hard to do, especially in high tech companies where we're very product driven and oftentimes we're organized around products. And if a if a account is interested in buying across multiple multiple product categories going to market and actually creating that experience can be very difficult. Um, The, the other thing that I would, I would also add is um, you know, what Tim's describing is this volley across channels. Um, It can be paid media. It could be website. It could then be um, your email channel. It could be other um, types of offline events. Uh, And oftentimes what I find with connect experiences with clients is that um, it's a more is more approach. And we talked about how organizational silos can make this challenging. In addition to be organized around products, then we also have COEs or channel owners who are, um, you know, have varying levels of channel strategy. And um, when we talk about connected experience experiences, I, I feel a pitfall is that more touch points are better. Not thinking about the unique role of a channel. Obviously, paid media has a role across the entire journey, but just because we can invite someone to an event doesn't mean that's the best idea for them right now or for that that this event for that account. Um, just a real example from Merkle um, that, that we were talking about is we get invited to events you know, with, with software platforms or things like that. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to buy more of that mm. software. Um, so, so oftentimes I think there is this idea of connected experiences, but it's also what are the experiences within the channel? What is unique about that channel? And are we activating it at the right moment in order to actually advance someone through the journey? Okay. And, and, how, and how, do we, how, how do we manage that, again, kind of with an account-based view? Um, when, when we're talking about multiple, because Tim touched on large buying units, it's true. There's different studies which report different numbers, anywhere between 12 to 25 different people are involved in enterprise-level tech buying decisions, for example, when we're focusing within accounts and we're, we're wanting to juggle both having a personalized experience by a customer, but also keep, keeping it succinct at some level from the account-based view, how do we manage that? It's adding more and more complexities into the mix, but how, how do we go and manage something like that? Yeah, I think it comes down to, again, what are the types of accounts that you're trying to reach? What does their 
journey look like? We keep talking about anchoring on what the customer cares about, what their goals are, but they're also going to move through that process in a unique way. And that's where I do think customer insights, you need that research in order to tell you what the right cadence of communication is. And then ultimately bringing that that strategy into your technology, Um, having things like more delineated marketing stages. There are times where we come into clients where they have, you know, sales can have a dozen different buying stages for an opportunity and marketing is saying you're engaged or you're not engaged. Or maybe we're saying, oh, you're highly engaged. Uh, so we have this kind of stoplight system. And I think the the companies who are, who are finding an easier time of managing all of that complexity are are delineating the, the marketing stages more clearly uh, and having that be more tailored to the way that their customer actually buys uh, and the way that they research. And the thing I'll add is that um, just because we can talk to them again, doesn't mean they want to hear from us. All the mm-hmm. research points to uh, to buyers getting uh, getting in front of suppliers or coming to supplier sites later and later in the journey. Mm-hmm. So uh, is that because we don't create relevant experiences and so they find more 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 usefulness in going to third party sites. I don't know, but I think it's an interesting trend to, to, to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. And at the other side of the, I guess you could call it the funnel spectrum, it drives more and more the importance of brand as well, of course. Right. Because when people are doing more of that, more and more of that research themselves, they, they want, you want to make sure that you have that constant and positive presence. But there's one thing I want to um, um, jump on and bring it back to you tim um caitlin was and actually a lot of what we've been talking about is, is complexities and touch points and insights and of course um one of the parts of your very large role um touches into into analytics into reporting management and these types of things so when we're when we talk about everything that we've touched so far and um, driving these types of experiences whether it's with an account-based view or, or from more of an individual and um, custom point of view um what role would you say that analytics plays and how do we keep it digestible? I think it's a really important one when we're, when we're engaging with different audiences to different seniorities. Yeah, I mean, let's not pretend, especially again, coming back to where we are economically at the moment, that every pound, dollar, euro, yen, whatever we're spending needs to be accountable all the time. And that always has always been the case, right? There's never been a client that doesn't matter, doesn't care what we spend our money on. But I think... Now we're looking at experiences rather than individual tactics. That becomes increasingly important. So Caitlin touched exactly on that, that, you know, organizational structure within our clients and the marketing structure needs insights in order to make those decisions that are critical to how we deliver connected experiences. And so if we can't deliver a whole account picture or insights before we do anything in media, um, or data to the sales team, then that entire process falls down to a degree. So for me, um, analytics is is really at the center of everything we do, whether that's like super hard dashboarding or whether it's research or whether it's, you know, um, uh, just optimization metrics from our media pieces, that's all really critical. Um, but I think probably the thing that I've realized the most about that kind of role within uh, connect experiences is understanding where we want to get to ahead of time so you know often our clients will get to this after the fact and and say well did we succeed in what we were doing but we really need to understand where we're trying to deliver success in the business is it using media to um, deliver a, a warmer lead to sales or is it 
um, just trying to get on the shortlist at, at that awareness stage? Is it a mixture of those? Is it trying to drive total lifetime value of the customer up through connected sales experiences after they've already bought a product or whatever? It could be loads of those. It could literally just be um, changing perception in that market from a challenger to a, a, a powerful brand or whatever it might be. But if we don't have that vision set by ourselves and by our clients ahead of time, then we can measure every metric under the sun, but we're not going to point at that kind of North Star or that direction in order to deliver those connected experiences. So for me, reporting is critical, but but actually landing on what you want to understand as a business and what that will deliver in terms of decision-making for connected experiences is the linchpin to everything that we're doing. Yeah, yeah I, I can't agree more. And I think I feel like accountability in terms of metrics is, is, is very important as well across both marketing and sales teams. Again, coming back to the account-based marketing point of view, we need to create that alignment between uh, both the teams as well. And and I guess one of, one of the areas, flip-flopping here, coming back to you, Caitlin, um, which... Um, we, we, which kind of helps bridge that connection um, quite well because it's often the point between what feels like marketing is jobs done and now um, sales are starting to pick it up and um, putting your CRM and nurture hat on, so to say. Um, it'd be great to hear um, what value you think CRM is able to bring into creating these types of seamless um, experiences for audiences. And then also uh, vice versa, the benefits that um, the earlier activities are able to play on CRM itself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the, the fundamental, I guess, concept of, of having marketing automation is that um, we're collecting a lot of data and we're able to track people through multiple sessions. We're able to watch what they're doing across multiple channels, assuming that we have everything uh, tooled correctly. So so I think that that comes first. Um, so with that data, I think comes a lot of insight, but it's, it's impingent on the marketer to have those systems to create to create um, a message out of the noise. And uh, I agree wholeheartedly with what Tim is talking about around having the reporting, being able to act quickly on those insights. And um, something I, I would say for, for marketers who are struggling to create that, that connection with sales, which is absolutely critical when you're trying to do any kind of account-based program, uh, is, is coming with that data. That is something that that is unique to what marketing is doing. We are watching um, customers go through experiences. We're seeing what they enjoy, um, just looking at observing their behavior. Uh, and one of the one of the um, I guess trends coming out of the superpowers research, which has done been done for three years now, uh, one of the, the the biggest drops in what buyers said that they were satisfied with the customer experience was in the initial uh, contact with the supplier which suggests to me that there is this, this um, in, intense activity in marketing. And maybe we're at the point where everything I see on media is connected to what I see on the website is connected to the emails that I'm receiving. Maybe marketing is really connected. But then there's this, this drop off when we, when we chuck the lead over the fence, to kind of put it you know, <laughs> harshly, uh, where, where not enough of that insight is making it to the salesperson. And so that person who has, in their mind, spent a lot of time looking at you if we think 70 to 80% of the, the the buying decision is made by the time they're getting in touch with a supplier, that salesperson ought to know that. Um, and they ought to be able to have a really educated conversation in that initial contact meeting. And that's something that I think rests on the shoulders of marketers. And I would challenge marketers to build those relationships with sales, make sure that not only that they're collecting relevant data that sales cares about, 
Um, but that that initial contact experience and, and that goes for for lead generation type programs or this is this person's first time talking to a salesperson, um, but also in the, you know, the account rep paradigm where um, maybe there there are things happening over in the, the marketing universe that that account person um, would benefit from knowing about and and having routine processes where there's dialogue so that that account person could, could take action if they think an, an activity that a, a contact at a, a certain account is doing is, is meaningful and worth just checking in um, or, yeah. or, or contacting them. So it doesn't always have to be around selling necessarily. Okay. That's fantastic. Um, it, I'll, I'll be really keen to hear actually if you've got any best practices or any any top tips for for marketers and in, in particular the, the main audience for this podcast in regards to how they can help their sales colleagues a little bit more by making uh, data more specifically making data more accessible or providing content in a more sales digestible way, for example. <clears throat> yeah, the biggest feedback that we've heard um, is is making the workflow very streamlined. Salespeople, their most powerful uh, activity is, is with clients. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, the, the feedback we've heard is that typically there are workflows that, that, that the sales teams are very comfortable in. Oftentimes that can be a workflow through Salesforce. That's a tool that they're usually very comfortable in and know very well. It could be different at your organization. So the more, uh, these reports can be integrated into those existing workflows that they already have. And of course there are tons of great, um, sales enablement tools, um, that can help surface content, even recommend content. So those are often solutions. And I think it really just depends on, um, the, the nature of the selling experience. What is the, the gap? What is, what is the salesperson workflow? And it always comes back down to communication and, um, Study after study on sales and marketing alignment always comes back to communication. And it's simple things like having routine touch points with those sales salespeople, um, sitting down and actually reviewing relevant dashboards or data views um, and getting feedback. I think that's the biggest thing that marketers can ask for is feedback. What did you think of those leads? How many, you know, are you having enough conversations? Do you, what insights would help you in your discussions be more effective? Uh, and, and, and taking a bit of a, a, a servant attitude towards uh, helping those salespeople. I come from the old school of marketing is, is here to make sales job easier. So um, it's not to say that we don't have our own discipline and, and, and our own value and benefit that we bring to the process, but that's where the sale is made. And, and I think we have to be very focused on, on making sure that that, um, that, 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 that those people's experience uh, is, is benefited by all the activity that we're doing. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And there's arguments meant to, to be made that we could go even more old school and back to real basics where sales <laughs> and marketing were the same team. Um, and they were making joint decisions around the four Ps or the seven Ps. And so there was that alignment from day one. But yeah, um, we, we've, we've covered a lot. Um, a lot of complex um, areas, a lot of covering lots of different work streams and functions and, and focuses and, 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 all, and all sorts. I'd, Tim, I'd love to um, come back to you with the with the penultimate question, um, um, specifically around all these. I was just saying all these things we've covered across automation, technology, ABX, CRM, lots more acronyms. Uh, us sitting within Merkle B two B, in your point of view, how do we help? Um, different uh, B2B clients across varying industries uh, in, um, navigate this incredibly complex and intricate world? Yeah, well, I, you actually touched on and, and what Caitlin was just speaking about is um, actually, I think one of our biggest strengths, which is our breadth of capabilities, but also the fact that it's connected. So bringing sales and marketing back together or whatever 
yields those results. But actually, I feel like having insight and strategy and creative and media and analytics and technology capabilities under one roof within Merkle B2B actually helps deliver clear visions for our clients, right? You know, there is um, something to be said, even in a post-pandemic world where we're all doing this remotely today, that the barriers that are are taken up by having everybody sit in their own little silos and do those kind of roles um, doesn't present connected experiences in a costly, time-effective or even actually effective way. So um, that is our biggest strength is, is being able to deliver that end-to-end connected experience, not only for our clients, but actually deliver that in a connected experience with them. Um, on top of that, I think it is that B2B specialism, you know, really understanding the buying journey. We've already spoken about how complex it is, so I'm not going to bullet point that. But you know, it is completely different from a B2B B2C buying experience in many different ways. But actually, increasingly, it's becoming more and more like one. So having that head start of understanding the B2B mindset, the technology landscape, the buying cycle, the sales teams, and then bringing on board that B2C piece, which actually is a broader Dentsu group we also have the capabilities in, really helps us. Um, set us apart from other agency groups and supports, but also just help our clients get there faster. And I think that's really, um, really important. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, both. I'd just like to finish off uh, the podcast. One, one final question, just give you both um, the floor, so to say, uh, one more time um, to give your point of view in regards to um, areas for which B2B marketers should be focusing on for the rest of 2023, looking to 2024, the future basically um what, what are the, some of the some of the things that we, people should be most excited about tim i'll start with you sure um i mean I, i'm going to keep the overall recommendation short and sweet right i mean hopefully you've seen this from the last kind of 20 minutes half an hour of this conversation ultimately to deliver these connected experiences data and technology is at the heart of it right so you do need to get that right um, making sure you have the right data you know who your audiences are what you do with that data and, and what you act on based on that and having the right technology in place to, to to actually deliver on that across media, across sales, across CRM, across whatever it is, is critical. But n- neither of those things will be worth anything if there isn't organizational capabilities in place to activate on them. So that's either working with the right agency um, and, and partnerships to deliver it. But ultimately, organizational change in our clients is critical to delivering those connected mm-hmm. experiences. You know, if you don't have a marketing and sales team pulling in the same direction for for uh, uh, an account-based experience or account-based marketing in general, that won't deliver the success that you need. Um, If you don't have, as Caitlin said, clearly delineated marketing um, stages, all of those kind of pieces that come from having an alignment in your organization that is all uh, singing off the same hymn sheet, to use a horrible idiom, um, it it, it will not work. So I think that, that for me is, you know, hopefully by the time you've listened to the whole of this preaching to the, uh, the congregation i don't know end brilliant thanks tim any more metaphors you want to you want to bring in all the idioms you like no i'm done <laughs> fantastic and finally caitlin yeah i i touched on on the beginning of the podcast um but the idea that um b2b buyers are bringing their consumer expectations to b2b and what i mean by that is is and and i think we're, we're sort of putting it under the umbrella of of connected experience but um when they take an action in one place, that it is that that action is reflected uh, in the experience that they receive in the next place. But I also think to push that even further, it's the idea that um, 
you know, when we think about consumer experiences, there's a lot of customization, uh, creation of profiles, um, making the, the, the checkout process faster, easier, more streamlined. Not every B2B business has e-commerce, so that's 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 not necessarily something easily translatable, but but continuing to push and how you can bring that kind of customized experience to your marketing communications or the sales experience. Are there preferred channels that um, that they like to be spoken to, preferred times of day? Um, all those kinds of, I think, quality of life, I guess, would be the, the sort of um, feeling. I think sometimes um, in B2B, we're, we're, we're overwhelmed by, by the complexity, by all the other things that we have to do. But at the end of the day, you're talking to the one person, it's their experience. And um, the data shows there's a big gap in, in how good we think we're doing in terms of mark, marketing um, and what people are actually experiencing on the end. So um, I think the the big call to action for marketers, knowing that that is the case, and, and like we talked about that, those preferences change all the time, faster than ever, um, is that uh, having kind of some vo- link to voice of the customer at all times. Uh, in big organizations, voice of the customer is a formal program. There's a whole team dedicated to it. Um, in those cases, making those insights or getting access to those insights more re- regularly would be a call to action, no matter what organization or part of the team, no matter how you know, what your seniority level is, having access to that and being connected to it at all times, I think is number one. But I'd also say to to marketers sitting in smaller organizations that don't have the benefit of robust VOC programs like that, do not not overlook scrappier methods of of getting data. It can be secondary observations like what Tim was talking about with reporting, um, where we're observing what customers are doing and, and trying to create stories and insights out of that activity. But you can also leverage site surveys and emailing out to your your contacts to learn more about what they're thinking, feeling, doing um, in order to tailor your programs. And and so what I would what I would call marketers to do is is seek to get that information more regularly. Don't think you need a big budget to get it. Um, And, you know, we talked about communicating with sales. Sometimes it's just Getting, a, getting some time on a salesperson's calendar and just asking them about the kinds of conversations they're having, what are the pain points that customers are, are sharing with them. And it, I, I genuinely believe these insights, I think a lot of times we think they're far away or they're expensive to get, and, and they can often be sitting right under our noses. So as we think about where do we want to invest to make our experiences better for customers, uh, just going straight to the horse's mouth to add another... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> add another uh, phrase to our to our chat today. <laughs> Brilliant, that's fantastic. Well, thank you very much, both. It's been a great discussion. Really appreciate it. Um, we've covered a lot of things. I feel like a lot of fairly complex areas, but the theme that I've got from the whole discussion today is um, the focus should always be customer. We should remain customer focused throughout everything that we're doing, and everything else will follow. But once once again, thank you very much for your time, everybody. Um, uh, in our next podcast, we'll be looking um, to focus in on media activation and we'll bring in some of our uh, media partners into the mix uh, across LinkedIn and also uh, Media Ocean and somebody else uh, who works with that, Merkel B2B and myself. So um, thanks everybody for listening and hope to see you on the next one.